The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change. In other words, reinvent yourself and your company. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the successful business leaders of today. Now, here is your host, Nancy Lynn. Hello, and welcome to Business Reinvention. I am Nancy Lynn. Every week, we bring you thought-provoking ideas from a different industry so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Today, we're going to take another look at the big data industry, which has been around for a few years now. Some of us may not realize this, but um, Google's self-driving car is a database product. Its sensors collect data at a rate of one gigabyte a second. It uses all this data to know where and how fast to drive. And also earlier this month, the company made another announcement about a healthcare venture, Calico, to tackle aging. Google, again, is planning to use its vast databases to search for solutions. And I think these are two great examples that help demonstrate the promise of big data. The data is out there, ready to be applied to all sorts of new things in new areas that your company might not have tapped into in the past. And with more and more sensors, electronic records, and different devices, it's expected that the speed at which we create data will triple over the next year. It's just incredible how much data we have now. So how is the big data industry doing? And what are some of the companies that are leveraging analytics effectively to drive better business results? Well, let's hear from our guest today. Sarah Gates is the Vice President of Research at the International Institute for Analytics. She helps clients to advance their use of analytics to improve business outcomes. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, I know you just came out with a new report. Um, of course, you're always um, churning out uh, great reports. Um, but in this particular one, you talked about the emergence of Analytics 3.0. Um, so tell us, what's the difference um, or what's different about Analytics 3.0 from, say, 2.0? Sure, I'd be happy to. Basically, what we're seeing here at the International Institute for Analytics as we scan out over how our organizations using data to drive their businesses, that we're, we're entering a new era. We are seeing organizations take what we call traditional analytics, which is was primarily you know, sort of the descriptive and prescriptive type of work, so what was happening, um, how many people were buying this product, how, what's the average cost reduction that we're getting in some, in some process. They're taking those types that type of data and analysis, and they're combining it with the amazing opportunities that are provided by big data where you'll be able to capture data that you would have never seen, uh, have been able to capture you know, more than, say, five or six years ago, social media data, data from 
um, sensors on, you know, for example, on a car and get insights out of that and using new techniques to analyze that data. They're bringing those together now into what we're calling the th- analytics 3.0 or the, new, the era of impact. And what that's allowing us to have happen is that very quickly organizations are getting insights and using those to drive decisions on the spot to improve either customer service, to develop new products and services that have never existed before, maybe to just increase the speed at which they're able to get insights and make um, changes in course to improve their profitability. So it's really about rapid insights, embedding it into the way you run your organization to become more competitive. That's We're seeing all of these things come together in this new era. Mm, what a great oversight. Um, I guess in the past, um, we're talking about maybe mostly data from operations and sales. And like you said, now we're getting it, you know, a lot broader um, from different sources. So what is the driving force behind this transition? Well, I think one of the major reasons that we're seeing this transition happening is that the technical infrastructure is there to allow this to happen. Plus, we have um, there are people with the right skill sets to leverage the tools to basically what I call wrangle the data. <laughs> um, so we were really hampered in some of the earlier eras, the traditional a- analytics era in particular, which we call analytics 1.0 very creatively. Um, it, we just didn't have the computing power to handle big data sets. You couldn't, re- you were building models by hand and the analysts were really very separate away from the day-to-day operations of an organization. It was like, here's our insight. Then, it, you know, three or four weeks later, the executive team would look at it, and then another period of time would go by, and it might get implemented into, you know, to make a decision. So, but the t- basically, you didn't have the, the the tools and the technology to allow, to allow you to work faster. Big data came along about five, six years ago, and it was born out of these digital firms such as Google, Yahoo, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and they were getting vast amounts of data. And in order to handle that data, you not only needed new analytical and computational capabilities, but you also needed a new skill set. And that's where these data scientists came along, which, you know, I, I'm sure all of your listeners have heard that, you know, it is the sexiest job in America and things like that, which, you know, as a statistician, I mean, all of the geeks are, you know, rejoicing that they, you know, have the sexiest job in America. But but there is a really a unique skill set that was needed in order to manage this data and to wrangle it into to something that was usable. So the combination, you know, that the, the right technology, the compute, the horsepower, the skill sets is one of the driving things that is, is bringing us into this new era. Plus, we're also seeing that in order to become more competitive, all the easy stuff has happened. You have to get the, da- the insights faster in order to stay ahead of your competition. So those are two, two of the big drivers I see. Yeah, not only they're more powerful, in the, in, you know, talking about the technology, but they're also so much cheaper now. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Um, and one of the big benefits that organizations, or you hear, you know, organizations talking about in the in the era of big data, has been the fact that it can you can really reduce your costs using some of these new tools. Now they they're so cheap to manage vast quantities of data. Think you know it, it was unaffordable until a few years ago to try and grab hold of your all of your data. That's why 
people would take samples and you know, only look at a piece of their data set because they couldn't, they just couldn't afford to load it into the big data warehouses to store it and access it. So what change do you see in terms of customer needs for big data tools um, now more are available? Um, what are customers asking for that they didn't consider just one or two years ago? Well, I think that you're seeing more and more demand for the integration of many different types of data. So you're, you're needing you know, more, more and more tools that can handle these heterogeneous sources of data. So just give you an example. Let's say a firm wants to understand their customers. Well, there's traditional transactional systems that would have structured data. There's probably a, a customer relationship management system, and, and that will have not only structured data, but it'll also have um, comments or survey results that the customers are sending in about how they, you know, how happy were they with their service. They may also have voice recordings in there. You would want to be capturing your social media data. What are they saying about me on Facebook? What are they doing? What's Twitter saying about, you know, what are my customers saying on Twitter? Um, you might also want to capture um, data from your, your stores and incorporate that in there in some way, shape, or form. So you're going to have or better yet, even from their, when they come on your website, what is the, where are they going? What are all the clicks that they're doing as they scroll, kind of surf their way through your website to buy some product or maybe not buy it? What, you know, you would want to incorporate all of that together. And that's really hard to do because all of that data is very different. Sometimes it never looks the same way twice. Um, so that, that's one of the demands out there. We're also seeing, um, Data visualization is, is one of those really um, sort of blossoming oper- uh, um, areas related to big data and just analytics in general. There are a, just an expanding universe of tools that are really designed to help you understand your data visually as opposed to trying to look at a, a chart or spreadsheet with thousands and thousands of cells. Instead, let's use color. Let's use... Um, network diagrams and, and basically ways to let your, the way we, you know, visually learn things and, and absorb things, allow it to happen um, so that non-technical audiences have a much better chance of understanding what the data is trying to tell you. Um, we're also, so you're also starting to see demand for special purpose um, applications of data, of big data analytics that might work just specifically on customer behavior patterns or network behavior. So you're starting to see some specialized tool um, needs that are, that are popping up. And while it's not really um, a tool need, I, I do want to mention once again that, that the whole skill sets for pe- people with the skill sets to actually handle big data and um, traditional data, you know, and, and to work in this Analytics 3.0 environment, those skill sets are very, very rare. Every day I talk to clients, and the number one thing they want to talk about is talent and how do I get the people I need with the right skill set. So that, while it's not, it's a tool in a, in a slightly different way. It's the, it's the human tool that they need to, to move forward in the big data environment. Um, and I wonder if all these new um, requirements and needs um, come from the fact that it's shifting, that usage or decision-making is shifting towards marketing or finance as opposed to IT. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Uh, well, I think absolutely you're seeing more, and it's not just in marketing and finance, but you are definitely seeing um, 
the, the desire to have analytic tools in the hands of those people who are going to use the insights, you're also seeing um, there's a power shift that is occurring between IT and what I've called the lines of business or the functional areas because IT typically, you know, they had to build the warehouse and things like that. But in order to really leverage analytics, you need to understand the business and what are the business problems trying to be solved. And so you're seeing marketing, you're seeing finance, you're seeing supply chain or specific um, you know, areas of a business wanting an analysts that are sort of associated with their area. They may, you know, mature organizations won't have them, you know, sort of siloed within within a functional area, but you're definitely you're seeing people serving them and um, much more at the line of business area because it is so critical that you understand what it what the business problem you're trying to solve is. What does the data mean when you're developing analytics? Mm, and so a lot of big companies have long been using data to make key business decisions. So how is the development of uh, big data um, changing the quality of scope of business decisions? Um, is it driving better strategic values than before? I, you're, you're correct to, um, in that you know, analytics has been around for a very long time. In fact, the first shop was built in the 1950s by uh, UPS, the package delivery service. Hmm. So this is a you know, 60, 70-year-old practice that is out there. Now, we're seeing um, more and more firms understanding that this is perhaps the new competitive tool that is out there. They've, they've gone, come as far as they could without starting to harvest the data. And so what we're seeing happen now is that you're able, not only are firms accessing data they never had access to before, so a great example would be sensor data or telemetry data. So, you know, um, having sensors on a car or a machine that gives you data about how is it operating. You never were able to capture that data before, so that, you know, you never had that to put into your, your analytics, right? Right. We now have that capability. So that's one thing that's allowing to have improved insight. The other is the computing power that allows you to do it faster, so you're, under, you're able to improve your insights faster. But I also think there's a, a cultural, uh, an understanding among leading organizations that there is a need to change the way they run their businesses, that you cannot do it just on gut instinct anymore, that you need to be analytical. And so that is providing that improved um, sort of results from analytics, you know, being able to be more strategic and drive strategic competitive results. Um, so that so that cultural shift is another piece of it. Well put. Well, it looks like it's time for a quick break. Um, I also wanted to remind the audience that um, some of the podcasts from this program are now available for sale. Your contribution will help support the continued production of insightful discussions like the one we're having today. So please go to bizreinvention.com to make a contribution. Thank you for your support. And we'll continue with this conversation after these messages. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luce Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Welcome back to Business Reinvention. We were talking about the big data industry. Um, so, Sarah, um, you gave a great overview of what's going on right now um, in the industry. And now I think um, it would be great if we can drill down a little bit further. Um, so, we started to talk a little bit about how um, more powerful Analytic 3.0 is. Um, so, we're really good at helping users to identify problems. Um, are we really close or are we already providing recommendation for actions and or strategy now? So I think what you're seeing is in, in the analytics 3.0 world, the, the new management paradigm that's coming along where, you know, basically the whole leadership of an organization for firms that have entered the analytics 3.0 era, you know, they, they get the value of data and analytics. So they're looking at how do we embed it in everything we do. And so therefore, they're looking at what are the most important strategic problems, quote unquote, that we need to solve and saying how, what data do we need to solve that problem? What analytics can we use to um, understand the data? What technical infrastructure do we need to, to wrangle the data so that they can get they can make improved decisions at the strategic level and then improve tactics to implement those strategies. Um, and in the past, is this hot button where of predictive technology. And I think earlier on um, on the show, you mentioned the, the, the expression of prescriptive technology. Um, tell us what's the difference and, and are we able to do more than what we were able to before? Absolutely. Let me, so let me just give a little primer here for about a minute on on sort of how analytics it has evolved and the, and the improvements in the business value you get as you become more sophisticated in your analytics. So at the sort of the 
the lowest level of analytics is, is what's also referred to as business intelligence, and it's very much the how many, when, who kind of static what used to be printed reports that you would get, you know, that would run off a data warehouse and would say, this region sold 427 units, this region sold 512, we're 15% off a plan, you know, drill in, you can see, oh, John was the best salesperson, you know, that sort of thing. And, but what, as the the use of analytics increased or it, it evolves, you start to become more predictive and prescriptive. So by predictive, what we mean is, what is going to happen? You, you, that's what you hear, you know, when you hear about forecasts. Well, even like say the weather forecast, that's predicting what weather is going to occur. And today they're using very sophisticated analytics models to do that. You could use it to predict what is a customer, how many customers are going to show up if we do this sorts of thing? What will they want to buy? Those kinds of insights are incredibly valuable. Think about it. When you go to the store, you want to make, you know, you really want to make sure that that three cases of Diet Coke, in my case, which is my favorite drink, are available (laughs) to you when they're on sale. So you need to predict demand so your customers are happy. Or think about it in terms of if a hurricane is coming, what are the things we need to be getting into our warehouse at Home Depot or Walmart or whatever that our customers are going to want to buy? So predictive analytics helps organizations understand those things. And actually, Pop-Tarts is one of those things, apparently, that people like to buy right before hurricanes. That was one of the insights that a retailer figured out a while back. Then there's also prescriptive. And prescriptive is even more powerful. It says, do this. So a great example of prescriptive analytics is in being used right now by UPS. Um, and I mentioned earlier in the show that they were one of the various early, very early, early um, users of analytics to improve their organization. Well, they started putting tel- uh, telemetry uh, equipment into their their trucks in the 80s, and they have now built a analytics platform that called Orion for their on-road integrated optimization and navigation system. But basically, what it does is it's really in real time. It's telling the drivers how to route the truck to minimize the costs associated with that route and to um, maximize the the customer satisfaction, meaning on time, um, the right packages at the right place, those sorts of things. And they've already saved 85 million miles of driving and 8.4 million gallons of fuel from the use of this system. And the really interesting thing about it is as you become more predictive and prescriptive, it causes more changes to your business. And so it, it actually requires a huge change in both the skills of the people who are working in the business and sort of that change management of how you run your, your, how your job works because you have these really, um, you're being told what is the optimal thing to do. So think about um, the value a truck driver used to bring, which is I have a really strong back and I know the fastest routes around the city. Today the strong back part still is, in, is there, but the fastest routes around the city part isn't valuable anymore because you have analytics, real-time analytics that are actually optimizing their route on the fly, and that, that changes the way you, you, know, you're, you do your job. So that's just sort of a, a quick run-through of the, the differences between those types of, of how analytics is, you know, the value analytics can bring. We're seeing more and more predictive and prescriptive analytics happening out there in the industry. 
firms realize that they're going to get much more business value as they can become more predictive and more prescriptive, and that's in every industry. Healthcare, they're all about trying to get being predictive and prescriptive to help drive business outcomes and health outcomes. Retailers, uh, manufacturers, uh, banks, it, all of them in, in every other industry out there sees the value of starting of really trying to do these more complex analytical applications. Yeah, that evolution is very exciting because I think in the past, the frustration or complaint about big data is that, yeah, it's great to have all this data, but it's almost overwhelming and not mm-hmm. everybody really understands um, the, I guess, the results of analysis. But now with, you know, predictive and also prescriptive technology, um, you're really telling people exactly what they can do with the, the result of the analysis and they can push the change so much faster too. Right, and, and I think one of the other important things to understand about that is organizations are actually, Im- leading organizations Im- actually embed the results of their analytics into the business processes. So a great example, um, when you call your bank for customer service line and they say, oh, by the way, Mr. Jones, I see that you have a savings account. Let me tell you about this new opportunity that we have that we think would be great for you. It does XYZ PDQ. That's an, that is a, predict, a prescriptive analytics engine running in the background that is saying, this is the best offer to give to Mr. Jones on this phone call. The, the staff who's actually answering the phone doesn't do the analytics. They just have to understand that's the reason I'm getting this is that, you know, our, our system is, has figured out that this is the thing that Mr. Jones is most likely to use. And so that ability to embed basically real-time analytics insights into your processes, and the, the example from UPS is another example where it's embedded into, you know, it's literally saying turn left now. Um, that is hugely valuable to organizations because it's, it's making their, their, it's optimizing the way they do their business, and it's doing it with the most recent information that's available. Definitely. So it sounds like it's now very seamless and, and almost real time in a lot of cases. Um, it and is. what about, yeah, and, and so what about um, um, new product development? Is it benefiting that process as well? Oh, great question. And the answer, short answer, yes. Now, I want to make sure, you know, this is, these are for leading firms. Let's put it out the big leading firms. You know, not every organization is doing this yet. They have, the opportunity is there for them to harness big data to, to both optimize their operations as well as develop new products and services. But we're really, it's still very early in the era of Analytics 3.0, and it's really the leaders that are starting to, to go down this path. But what, what organizations are doing is, you know, they're taking these data sources, the disparate data that come out from every source imaginable around, you know, that comes into the organization, and they're looking for how can we do some, you know, come up with a new product or service that meets a need of our customers that we've never done before. Um, GE is perhaps, you know, it's one of the poster child children for that in what they're doing with respect to their service agreements. They're taking data um, off of, you know, what we you can glibly call things that spin. So turbines and other machines are getting constant streams of data, and they're using that to develop new service agreements which that optimize the, the revenue that they can make and also make, you know, minimize the, oppor- the, the chance of things breaking. So 
they would have never been able to do that before. So that's one of those great examples of a new service that that is being driven out of the big data environment. Mm, excellent example. Um, and also for a very long time, cost reduction was kind of the key draw for moving to big data. And I think UPS is, you know, what they're doing is also a good example. But I, I just wonder, overall, have companies realized substantial savings um, that they expected? And if so, what area did they see the biggest cost reduction? Well, I would say it's twofold. And one is really in, in the, the cost of doing the analytics and the other is obviously in operational improvements. Mm. So let me just tell you about both, give you some, you know, what do I mean by both of those? So big data technology, one of the, the sort of reasons people are paying attention to it is it has driven the cost of harnessing the large, complex, unstructured data sources. It has dropped dramatically. There's a lot of tools on the market. Hadoop is a very common one that you hear, um, discussed at a very and, low cost point. And, you yeah, can, and quickly yeah. explain what is unstructured. Yeah, Sure, unstructured is um, data that does not always conform to the same layout. So a great example of a structured data set or data field would be your social security number. It's a certain length always. It is three digits by two digits by four digits. Always, never changes. An unstructured field would be a comment field where you never know what someone's going to write in there. It could be a web log field where you're getting data from people's Internet activity, and it could be thousands of characters. It could be 10 characters, and it, it never the same thing twice. So unstructured data is something that it just it doesn't look the same every single time, and that's really, really tough for traditional databases to handle. Um, so when these new tools make it really simple to handle this data, and they, ha- they can store it very, very effectively. So your cost of storage and managing the data drops dramatically with these big data tools. And so that's one of the areas where organizations are seeing huge cost reductions. In fact, um, some work that Tom Davenport, our director of research, and Jill Duche at SAS did recently talked about, you know, give an example of how much you could save by using big data technology. So basically, the cost of storing one terabyte of data, terabyte, you know, it's a big, that's a large number of, of data, but, you know, Terabytes are out there. Most people have heard of them. It's $37,000 a year for a traditional database-type technology. It would cost only $2,000 to store under using Hadoop with one of these big data technologies. So you can see huge cost reductions. So that's one area where, where organizations have seen it. They're also seeing cost reductions from examples just like UPS where being able to access data that they've never been able to access, get it in real time into, you know, into the hands of users, is allowing operational changes to happen to do things more cost-effectively. So those are two, you know, two areas where you're seeing big cost savings. Great info. Um, let's talk some more um, when we come back from a break. Um, for more information about business innovation, please follow me on Twitter at BizReInvention or go to BizReInvention.com. We'll be back in two minutes.
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So we've been talking about the big data industry, um, and I want to share with you an interesting statistics from Gartner. Um, the company found that only 10 to 15% of organizations are currently taking advantage of the big data available to them, um, and that these, are, these companies are outperforming their competition by around 20%. Pretty amazing um, number. Um, so, Sarah, what do early adopters look like? Um, are they leaders in their categories, or do companies tend to wait until they're in trouble to look for new ways to do business? So, I think that um, you know, I wouldn't say that they're they're companies. You know, they wait until they're in trouble. I would say that what you're seeing is there's there's two types of early adopters for big data and, and analytics in this analytics 3.0 world. One set of these adopters are those firms that are born digital. Um, it just comes naturally to them. That's how they, you know, they, they've never had traditional analytics that they would be relying on. So they needed to harness the data that they had to develop new product offerings to meet, to understand their customers. So definitely early, early adopter. In fact, the developer of many of the tools that are used today very, very widely to harness big data. On For other types of firms, where we're seeing the early adopters are those organizations that have already seen the value of data and analytics. They have a data-driven mindset with leaders who clearly get and articulate the value of data. And that could be, and that's any kind of data, both what I would, you know, small data and big data, but tra- or traditional internal facing data and these large complex 
rapidly moving data sets that we call big data. And they want to use data to drive their business in every way possible. So they looked at the opportunities for big data to say, well, how can we get more insights into those things that are most important to our business? Let's figure out how to harness this data now that the tools are available. So we're seeing organizations across all industries that are that are starting to tackle big big data and successfully doing it. Um, but they tended to have already had an analytic bend to them to begin with. Mm. Interesting. Um, and also, it's kind of interesting you touch on the type of industries. Because um, I know initially financial services industry was kind of leading the way in terms of leveraging big data. But now, um, based on some of the reports I've seen, it looks like retail and wholesale and healthcare are actually uh, reaping, in some cases, more benefits than financial services. Um, is that kind of what you're seeing as well? Absolutely. Um we're seeing the use of analytics in general exploding across all industries. And you mentioned healthcare, and that's one that has huge opportunities because of the, the especially on the provider side, so hospitals in particular, you know, they have huge demands being placed on them by the government. And, you know, analytics is one of the tools that will allow them to, um, meet cost reductions and quality improvement goals that they have to do. So we're, you know, I can give examples across many of our, the industries that we work with, but definitely healthcare, we're seeing, um, both in the, pro- the provider and the payer side, so insurers and, and hospitals, you're seeing, um, interest and success in using big data. Uh, retail, absolutely both those that are brick and mortar as well as um, internet-based retailers are using um, big data. Macy's.com is one of the is an example of one, and and what Macy's is doing is they're using big data to allow them to reprice their um, their merchandise and much much faster. It used they have 73 million items that they price on a regular basis, and it used to take over 27 hours for them to run all the calculations to do that. They can now do it within an, within an hour by using the t- big data technology that's available out there. Huge so difference, yeah. Huge, and what you, that means that they can really rapidly adjust to the changing conditions in the marketplace. And, you know, so there's that rapid insight able to dramatically, you know, quickly impact the way the business is being run. That's one great example. In the healthcare, um, we also see it in manufacturing and in, obviously, as you mentioned, banking, but, and also in the entertainment business. So a really fun example is Caesars Entertainment. So, you know, the, the casino, for, they run casinos. And what they're doing there is they wanted to be able to basically quickly be able to get a handle on what are their customers thinking and how is it how is it how are their web interactions and their play in the casinos and their rewards program data what is that telling them about their customers and to basically integrate it and act on those insights in real time um, literally while the customer's still playing a slot machine in one of their resorts and so they have been using big data technology and and adding more data scientists to their staff so that they could get those real-time insights. They weren't able to do it using traditional analytics methods. 
Mm. And I imagine now we have the capability to handle unstructured data, such as Absolutely. customer, you know, comments or log. Yeah. Um, retailers can now probably integrate online and offline customer experience and maybe mm-hmm. have a better idea of their purchase journey. Absolutely. You know, it's not just in retail, too. So uh, an example in healthcare is a firm called United Healthcare, and, and they are on the in, the insurance side and what they're doing right now is they are that's one of the big focus areas for them is unstructured data they want to take um, data from customer attitudes that's in the recorded voice files from the customer mm-hmm. calls and so they are getting that data um, and transcribed and then driving and you know, using big data technology to get insights out of that text data um, that's been you know, basically the transcribed calls and allowing them to identify um, when customers are, are potentially really um, dissatisfied and allowing them to make some sort of intervention much quicker so that they are able to, you know, keep customers basically to fix the problem sooner than they would other been, otherwise been able to and, you know, then your customer's angry and long time has passed and you potentially lose them as a customer as opposed to being able to figure it out pretty quickly. That's another way that, that unstructured data is being used. Yeah, it's removing a lot of, a lot of silos, I think, in, in, in the companies. Um, and, and the other big shift that I've seen in the big data industry is the move to cloud, right? Um, mm-hmm. So traditional data was saved on servers, and, and this sometimes means that people who worked in local offices did not have any or full access to the data. Mm-hmm. And even if they did, it probably was not in timely fashion. Now, with more and more companies moving their data to the cloud, I wonder if that has broadened the usage as well as the user base? Um, I think that, in general, you're seeing firms integrating their data um, across locations and silos, as you mentioned, and and the cloud is one way that helps you to do that. And so, you know, having a single place where organizations, you know, that staff can go to find their, you know, what is going on that represents all of the the data from the organization, you know, it's hugely valuable. And so, yes, the changes in technology are definitely making that more possible, as well as the organizational understanding of the value of doing that. Hmm. And I know you kind of touched on this, um, um, you know, at different points during your show, um, but I want to kind of get back and get to the essence of, like, in, in the data economy, which we are getting into now, yeah. what do you think the new rules of competition look like? Well, I think that, you know, speed is critical. I I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, you cannot wait six months to act on something that you're, you know, that your customers are telling you today. And you have to then be driving towards how do I get the data and understand what's happening right now and make changes to accommodate, you know, to react to what is going on right now and get that deployed quickly. And so those organizations that can do that are the ones that are going to be more successful. They are going to be able to out, you know, be the leaders of the pack in their industry. And I think that you also, you know, you've gotten as far as you can based on gut instinct. I talked about that a little while ago. And so Another piece of the competitive landscape that's changing is, you know, you have to now, um, you know, 
think more creatively, come up with products that are different, and one of the ways to do that is data and analytics. And so, you know, you just it's becoming what we call, you know, it's a competitive differentiator, just like there have been other ones in the past. This is the latest one. Mm, great points. Um, and I think one of the reasons for the adoption of big data is the lower cost of open source platform, like we said earlier. And so now I'm kind of curious in terms of impact on the whole ecosystem, because some companies are moving from proprietary hardware to commodity hardware. So do these trends pose threats or opportunity for companies that used to dominate the enterprise solution market, such as HP, IBM, Oracle, you know, who are the providers of all these mm-hmm. solutions in the past? Well, I think that, you know, if you if one of these firms were to basically put their head in the sand and not do anything in, to respond to the change in, in the environment related to big data, then yes, it would be a, a, definitely a threat to them. But what we're seeing is that many of these legacy um, providers of, of solutions, they're they've recognized that they need to have big data tools that integrate into their products. And so you see things like, um, you know, Teradata and Oracle and everyone else has, they've basically either through acquisition or they've developed their own ways to integrate with existing big data tools, um, the, the free, the ones that are out there, um, open source ones out on the market. And so that's happening. And so that's one way that they're keeping from becoming obsolete. But, I also, as we talked about earlier, you know, the, the real value is happening for leading organizations when they're basically combining their traditional sources of data that are running on legacy systems with the big data sources. So basically this is an opportunity for them to continue to be relevant. They are still relevant. You, you need to have both sides running. And so as long as, as, you know, these traditional vendors are being, are understanding that the need for them to integrate with big data tools, you know, it's a great opportunity actually for them to grow their market share. And then the other piece is that, um, especially for um, firms that have analytics, powerful analytics tools, and IBM is one of those for sure, and and SAS um, has some very strong analytics tools, they are even more relevant when you have a high-performance analytics environment because you you need something um, very powerful to to analyze these new data sources. So there's there's great opportunities there if these firms are willing to take it. Well, sounds like a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's wonderful. Well, let's continue this discussion after a quick break. Uh, again, I wanted to remind you that some of the podcasts from this program are now available for sale, and your contribution will help support the continued production of discussion like the one we're having today. So just go to bizreinvention.com to find more information. We'll continue the, the conversation after two minutes. Thank you. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network in today's marketplace your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level at change agent sf we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email nancylin at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. 
Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Does money drive you or does it serve you? When you listen to Money in Your Life, you'll discover the answer to that question. Tune in as hosts Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins bring you thought-provoking discussions designed to help you understand and assess exactly how money operates in your life. Take control of your personal finances. Money in Your Life is broadcast live every Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make your money work for you. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, now let's talk a little bit about implementation. Um, many of the large companies have invested heavily on infrastructure and have legacy systems in-house. Um, so I would imagine it's a huge challenge um, whenever you need to transition to a different um, platform, whether or not it's big data or other things. Uh, so what are some of the big, um, excuse me, some of the best practices that you have seen so far? I think there's sort of three steps that we've seen in terms of um, organizations that are that are making that transition and sort of thinking through whether they really should be going down a big data path or not. And I'll talk about those first, but then um, there's also a sort of the the staffing and cultural side of the transition as well. And I'll talk about that as well. So first the first the three things that we see organizations doing that they really need to kind of ponder and think through before they say, I'm buying XYZ and we're going to be in the big data world. So first, you really need to think through what set of problems or targets, that's the word we use, you know, what are your targets of opportunity that you will potentially benefit from big data. So the what are we trying to do by going into the big data world? And then determine whether the existing platforms and, and analytics technologies that you have would actually work to get at that data, many times or we're hearing from organizations that they really haven't leveraged their existing investments in um, data warehouses and analytics tools to the fullest, and they might be able to even do work on big data if they tweak it a little bit, and they don't have to go down the path of developing a whole new environment and having staff with the right skill sets and things like that. So it might be possible to do it without investing in big data tools. And then if that if you do need a new platform, do you does it need to talk to all your other platforms? You need to think through the technology side of it. And then finally you need to think about do we have the right skill sets for developing or customizing big data solutions to meet our needs? Because that's a huge cost driver. Um, it's the people side of it, and, you know, and, and needing to be retrained or and the time that it might take to develop that. So those are three critical 
questions that an organization needs to think about before they make a big data investment. You know, we've talked about, well, Hadoop and other big data technologies are really cheap. Well, and if you only look at just the cost of the software, absolutely, but there are huge costs on the implementation side. So mm. that's those are important. So I, I mentioned just briefly, I said something about the right skills. Well, let let me just go into that a little bit more. It, it it's when you go into big, you know, big data skill sets are rare, and data scientists right now are a hot commodity. And I have not met a firm yet that says I've got every single one that I need, and I've got all the right skill sets. <laughs> so you really need to look at what skills do I need? How am I going to get those skill sets? How am I going to man- retain them? How am I going to organize them in a way that will work well within my organization? Many of the leaders. Um, we're seeing putting in place what's called a chief analytics officer or somebody who plays that role. It may not have that title exactly, but it's a strategic C-suite executive with the role of overseeing the use of data and analytics within an organization. And this basically brings analytics to the table at those in the strategic conversations, make sure that the organization is getting the maximum return from their analytics investment. And we're seeing more and more leading firms putting in place a chief analytics officer. For example, just, you know, the 2012 Obama campaign had a chief analytics officer. And, you know, you've heard a lot about how they used big data to win the election. Well, we see it across in healthcare. We see it in Retail, we see it in financial services, manufacturing, on and on and on. More and more of these strategic leaders are showing up to basically help drive the analytics initiatives within their organization. So those are you know sort of two different types of you know both first the three questions and then this talent um, strategic leadership side that you need to think about before you go into the big data environment. Great points and great advice. Um, so, in the next few years, which areas do you think we'll see the most innovation coming to market to make the use of big data even more powerful? And, and who do you consider some of the innovators in the big data technologies who will be providing this for us? Well, so it's you know, in my opinion, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of opportunities out there, but probably the where the most some of these game changer. Um, Competitive advantage innovations are going to come from the use of the unstructured data from sensors and operational um, data gathering devices. This is data that was previously untapped. I've talked a little bit about what GE is doing and UPS are doing. Schneider National is another great example. Um, they're collecting data on their tr- their trucks and their trailers and their intermodal containers to basically improve how effect you know how effectively they and efficiently they're running it also they're using it for safety too they believe it or not are actually t- gathering data about their drivers and predicting when a driver might be at risk of having an accident and then doing an intervention to either get them more sleep or get them some training or whatever. Um, Disney is using the same, they're using big data similarly to improve safety. So I, I really think that sensors and operational data gathering um, device outputs are where we're going to see some of the, the really interesting things happen because it's something that we've never done before. Awesome. And with that, I have to uh, wrap up this episode today. And Sarah, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. I'd be welcome. I enjoyed it very much, and I'd be happy to come back anytime. 
Yeah, I really enjoy our discussions as well. Um, also, I want to thank you, the audience, for tuning in today. Please follow me on Twitter at BizReInvention for up-to-date innovation news or visit BizReInvention.com for more information about our show. We'll be back next week, and I hope you can join us again. Take care and have a productive week. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll find the inspiration for change over the coming weeks.